For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Yeshua, His Life and Ministry. This is part two of the series. A name and a Hebrew thought communicate a character, it communicates a destiny, it communicates a calling, it communicates a task. And so, in review here, Abram, which is the Strong's word 87, means exalted father. Abraham, his name was changed to, the Strong's word 85, means father of a multitude. Isaac, the Strong's word 3327, means laughter. And Jacob, Yaakov, the Strong's word 3290, means a supplanter, a deceiver, a heel catcher. What did he do when he was born? He caught hold of his brother's heel. And that also was a prophecy. The heel represents the end of days, the end generation. In the end of days, Jacob will catch a hold of Esau's heel and he will get the upper hand. So reviewing and seeing the significance and the importance of the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that should help us to understand the importance of a name in Hebraic thought and the significance of why Yeshua was given the name of salvation. Because that that is his task. That's his calling. That's his purpose. That's his destiny. Yeshua came to save his people from their sins. So in continuing and looking at that Yeshua was born a Jew and the events surrounding his birth, we see that it is associated with Miriam being betrothed to Joseph. Now the birth of Yeshua HaMashiach was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused or betrothed to Joseph. And then it says, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that they were betrothed and before they came together? In order to understand that, you need to understand this biblical marriage. There are two primary stages to a biblical marriage. First stage is when you are betrothed. Mary and Joseph were betrothed to each other. Betrothal is you are legally married, but you do not physically dwell with your spouse. So that's why the text says they were espoused or betrothed before they came together. It's defining you the status of betrothal. Then the second stage is called erusin, and erusin is the physical dwelling of spouses or the consummation of the marriage. And so in Matthew 1.19, because Joseph was betrothed to his wife Mary, they hadn't yet come together, there comes a point in time he recognizes that she's with child. He says, wait, what's going on here? And so in verse 19, it says then Joseph her husband being a just man a zadik a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example was 
minded to put her away privily. This is nice wording in the King James, which means he sought to get a divorce. He sought to put her away, which was his legal right. If you're betrothed, if you're legally married, if there's unfaithfulness when you're betrothed, he has a legal right to divorce her, but he didn't want to put her to shame in doing this, not willing to make her a public example. He sought to get a divorce. So because betrothal is legally binding, in order to get out of the betrothal, it requires a divorce. And this is what Joseph sought to do. However, the angel intervened in Matthew 1.20. And while Joseph thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, no, she was not unfaithful. Her seed that is in her is the word of the God of Israel. The word of the God of Israel is likened unto a seed. So that was the seed that was in her that produced a child that became less. And so Yeshua was circumcised the eighth day. Luke 2.21 says, When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Yeshua, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. We need to understand that circumcision is a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Too much in traditional Christianity when we, we link circumcision with Moses. And when we look at the Moses, we think of the law, and we think that, oh, well, we're not connected to the law. The law is not for us today. That's what traditional Christianity says. And they say, well, we're of the Abrahamic covenant. You know, we're of the seed of Abraham. Well, when we say that, we don't really realize that if you are of the Abrahamic covenant, the God of Israel told Abraham that the sign of the covenant that was made between them was circumcision. And so Genesis 17, 9, and God said to Abraham, you shall keep my covenant therefore you and your seed after you in their generation this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you every man child among you shall be circumcised and he shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you every man child in your generations he that is born in your house or bought with money of any stranger which is not your seed notice the stranger not of your seed not physically from Abraham is still a participant in this covenant of circumcision. So going forward in Luke chapter 2 in describing these events, by having a Hebraic understanding, we are given an understanding that the parents of the Messiah were poor. How do we know this? Because they offered a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Luke 2.22, when the days of her purification according to the Torah of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the Torah of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. To offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the Torah of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Well, if we go back to Leviticus chapter 12, from which this is referring to, we can see there how this offering was an offering of someone who were not as well off, who were poor. Leviticus 12.1, the Lord spake unto Moses, is saying, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, if a woman has conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of the separation for her infirmity shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon, or a turtle dove for a sin offering, unto the 
door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest. If she's not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtles or two young pigeons. What was brought? What did Mary and Joseph bring? They brought this. So they were not able to bring, for whatever reason, a physical lamb. But what was inside her? The lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John 1.29. So this is what she brought. One for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her and she shall be clean. Notice having a child is not a sin. Actually, the God of Israel says it's a blessing. Children are a heritage of the God of Israel. And so here they're bringing an offering and making a priest for atonement. And she had not did any sin. She had not violated the Torah. So you can see this principle that offerings are brought here and not necessarily if we committed an unrighteous act. Okay, continuing on. Yeshua was born in Bethlehem. What's the Hebraic meaning, significance of him being born in Bethlehem? Bethlehem comes from two Hebrew words, Beit and Lechem. So Bethlehem means the house of bread. Yeshua is born in a town called the house of bread. Matthew 2, 1. Now when Yeshua was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. So he's born in a place known as the house of bread. Well, there's a prophecy back in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 that says, but you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you be little among the thousands of Yehuda, Judah, yet out of you shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. The ruler in Israel, the Messiah, his going forth has been from old, he's been from everlasting. So Ephratah, Ephratah means doubly fruitful. Yeshua is born at a place known as the house of bread, doubly fruitful. And so in John chapter 6 verse 33, we see that Yeshua refers to himself as being the bread of the God of Israel. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said unto him, Lord, give us this bread. And Yeshua said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Yeshua is the bread of life. He is the living Torah. Torah is our bread. He's the living Torah, the walking Torah. And so in the Hebrew blessing over the bread, in Luke chapter 22, verse 15, Yeshua, the day before he died, he has a Passover Seder meal. And so Luke 22, 15, he says, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So he took bread, gave thanks, he broke it and said unto them, this is my body which is given for you, do and remember it for me. Well, it doesn't explicitly say in Luke 22:19 what he said. It just said he blessed it and gave thanks. It doesn't say what he explicitly said. But I can guarantee you with 100% surety what he said. Because in, in the traditional Hebraic culture, there is one and only one blessing that is said over the bread. And the blessing is this. Which in English is, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. So actually this blessing is a prayer of thanksgiving unto the Heavenly Father for resurrecting Yeshua from the dead. Yeshua said in John 6, He's the bread that came down from heaven. Blessed are you, Adonai, King of the Universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. The earth, Yeshua, He died, He went into the earth, but He was brought forth 
from the earth. What happens to Messiah happens to Israel. What happens to Israel happens to the Messiah. Israel is likened unto death in Ezekiel chapter 37. Can these dry bones live? These bones are the whole house of Israel. And so Israel is dead in the valley of dry bones, but they are going to be resurrected as well, just like the Messiah. So the Hebrew blessing over the fruit of the vine, Yeshua would have said as well in having his Passover Seder meal. Luke 22, 17, it says, He took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. Once again, it says he took the cup and gave thanks, but it does not explicitly say what he said. But in the Hebraic culture, there is one and only one blessing that is said over the cup, and that blessing is, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Barei Pari HaGafen. In English, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who create the fruit of the vine. Messiah said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, and in order to bear fruit, to be fruitful, you have to abide in me. You have to abide in the vine. Yeshua's earthly father was Joseph, or Yosef. In Matthew 1.16, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Yeshua, who was called Mashiach. There is a hidden meaning here that the earthly father of the Messiah at his first coming is named Joseph. Because, in a Hebraic understanding, there's a recognition that in describing the Messiah in the Hebrew Scriptures, there seems to be a suffering Messiah that is likened unto what happened to Joseph when Joseph was sold by his brothers and, and went into Egypt. They didn't recognize him, but ultimately there was a great family regathering in the end and a restoration, reconciliation. And Joseph had to go through all of these ordeals in order for him to be brought to that place where he was a blessing to his brothers and to the world. And so the suffering Messiah in Hebraic thought is known as Messiah Ben, Messiah son of Joseph, Messiah Ben Yosef. So there's a reference to this in John 1.45. Philip finds Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the Torah and the prophet did write, Yeshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, what is, what's being referred to here? Is it just saying we found Yeshua, who happens to be the son of Joseph, meaning Joseph is his father, Yeshua being the son of Joseph? Well, in the literal, that's what it means, but there's a hidden meaning here. We found him who was written about in, in the Torah, the suffering Messiah, who's named Messiah Ben Yosef, Messiah, son of Joseph. That is going to cover some of the Hebraic connections surrounding the birth of Yeshua and a parent. Now we want to look at what's recorded in the scriptures when Yeshua is 12 years of age. Why do we have such little information about Yeshua growing up and why is it that the one incident that we're told about it is when he is 12 years of age? In Luke 2.42 it says when he was 12 years old they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, that's the rabbis, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So he's 12 years old when he's dialoguing with the rabbis. What's he going to be talking about? Torah. And they were all astonished at his understanding and knowledge of the Torah. Well, it is a modern custom that at the age of 12 slash 13, you have in the Jewish culture, you have what's called a bar mitzvah, which means a son of the commandment. And what a bar mitzvah really means is you've reached the age of accountability. You've been taught Torah since you was a young child, and now you're responsible for the commandment, and you are a student of Torah. And so this is the age that Yeshua was in the temple where he should have had a 
grasp of the Torah and we are told that he has an understanding of Torah at 12 years old that far exceeds his age. So the earthly profession of the Messiah was a carpenter. In Mark chapter 6 verses 2 and 3 it says, And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and they said, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? So his earthly profession was a carpenter. And what does a carpenter do? A carpenter builds houses. Well, that not only was his earthly profession, but that is what Messiah's task was spiritually, was to build up the house of the God of Israel. We're told that Messiah was faithful in the house of the God of Israel to do this. He was a faithful son. He was a faithful firstborn son. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Yeshua HaMashiach, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, as a bronze servant of the God of Israel. And his servanthood and his faithfulness was a testimony of those things which would be spoken after. He was a picture of the Messiah. But Messiah is a son over his own house. Notice, he's a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoice in the hope firm to the end? How is this Messiah's house? Because it's the Messiah who created the heavens and the earth. It's the Messiah who redeemed his people from Egypt. It is the Messiah who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. The people of the Messiah is the house of Jacob. He came to redeem the house of Jacob and he was faithful over his own house. And so in Hebraic thought, having a son is associated with building up a house. In Ruth chapter 4 verse 11 it says, And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into your house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel. How did Rachel and Leah build up the house of Israel? They wanted to have sons. And it says in John chapter 1 verse 12, As many as received him, Messiah, to them gave he power become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So Israel is called a son of God. It means that you are to be a faithful servant of the God of Israel. You are a member of his family and you have responsibilities. So all those, all of us who accept Yeshua as Messiah and are members of his family, we also have a calling and a task to be a faithful firstborn son over the house of the God of Israel. Now Yeshua uh, begins his public ministry at 30. Why 30? Why not 29? Why not 35? Why not 20? Why 30? It says in Luke 3.23, And Yeshua himself began to be about 30 years of age, being the son of Joseph. And so why 30 years of age? Well, because this in Hebraic thought has got to communicate to us that Yeshua has a priestly ministry. Because in Numbers chapter 4 verse 3, we're told that those who are going to do service in the tabernacle of the God of Israel, you have to be 30 years of age to do service in the tabernacle. From 30 years old and upward, even unto 50 years, all that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. Yeshua is our high priest. Hebrews 3.1 Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Yeshua HaMashiach. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points 
tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So Yeshua's priesthood is that after the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110 verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7.17, For he testifies, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we're told again in Hebrews 7.21 that Messiah, quoting Psalm 110 verse 4, is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Kizedek means king of righteousness. Messiah is the king of righteousness. Yeshua, he is a rabbi. John 1.38, Then Yeshua turned and saw them following and said to him, What do you seek? And they said, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master or my teacher, where dwellest thou? John chapter 3 verse 2 the same Nicodemus came to Yeshua by night and said unto him Rabbi we know you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these miracles that you do except God be with you a rabbi means my teacher so Yeshua was called rabbi he's a teacher a teacher of what he is a teacher of Torah Yeshua is our teacher of righteousness Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 says then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord his going forth the Messiah is prepared as the morning and he the Messiah shall come unto us as the rain as the latter in the former rain in the earth. Joel chapter 2 verse 23 says, Be glad then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain moderately and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. So where it reads in the King James in Joel 2 23, the former rain moderately in the Hebrew it says Aleph Tav Morei Zedekah. It says Aleph Tav the teacher of righteousness. Who do we know is Aleph Tav? It is the Messiah. Messiah is our teacher of righteousness. If he's a teacher of righteousness, what is he a teacher of? He is a teacher of Torah because righteousness or right living or the right way is to follow Torah. He's the teacher of that right way. He's the teacher of Torah. So let's see how the Torah is referred to as being the right way to live. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 8 In what nation is there so great that it has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this Torah which I've set before you this day? Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 24 and 25. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he may preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness, our right way of living to observe and to do all the commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So if he's the teacher of Torah, if he's the teacher of righteousness, he is the teacher of Torah. So in being a rabbi, Yeshua has 12 close students. They're called apostles. Matthew chapter 10 verse 2. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. And it goes on. Teaching Torah to close students is a Hebraic way of teaching. And this is what is done even today in Hasidic Jewish circles. They pay close attention to the teachings of their rabbi and they take those teachings and they teach those teachings to succeeding generations. This is exactly the model that Yeshua did. And he taught in parables. Matthew 13 34. All these things spake Yeshua 
Yeshua unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. This is a quote from Psalm 78, verse 2. Well, the context of Psalm 78, verse 2, I will open my mouth in a parable, is the teaching of Torah. Psalm 78, 1. Give ear, O my people, to my Torah. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, Yeshua, his life and ministry. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.